Today's episode is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and The Brew Bar. The How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the How Dare You podcast. This is a teachable moment. My name is Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. Being taught today is my friend and yours, Lady Chu. Hi, Chu Chu. Hi. <laughs> I'm excited Are to you? talk about this movie. Yep. Yes. All right. I don't know anything about Chu's reaction to today's movie, which is Midnight Run. A 1988 movie directed by Martin Brest. We were talking about Martin Brest because he directed, sadly, Giggly. But I had let you know at the time, you know, he did Beverly Hills Cop. He did Midnight Run. And then I thought, listen, Midnight Run is my third favorite movie of all time. Jaws, Shawshank, Midnight Run. And if you hadn't seen it, fucking you need to see it. Well, I have now seen all three of those movies. I had already seen Shawshank, which we know. Right. That was a hairy moment for me when I asked you if you'd yeah. seen that. Yeah, you're welcome. I was I was relieved. Yeah. I'm, I got surprises sometimes. <laughs> so here's They're the thing, though. Few and far between. Yeah. Few and far between for sure. <laughs> you're upsetting me most of the time. Yeah. It's like it's my job. <laughs> It's like I wake up in the morning like, how can I piss him off today? <laughs> you know how, like, Wall Street people argue about uh, they're worth the money? I'm worth $700 million a year because the company's making $400 billion a year kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You'd be worth yeah. it if if your job was just to make me angry. <laughs> Thank you. You'd be worth that kind of money. Well, I'm doing something right. <laughs> or maybe it's not right. I'm just doing something consi- I'm just doing something bad that's consistent. Right. So, yeah. All right. Now, I consider this movie, you know, hearing that you hadn't seen Jaws was jaw-dropping. <laughs> so, Whoa. Hey, 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 hilarious. Hey. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we got jokes here on the podcast. But because that movie has cultural significant value, where I couldn't say necessarily that Midnight Run does, but those who have seen it know, and those who have not do not know. Do you now know, Chu? Did you like it? Okay, so... Uh Uh-oh. Here's the deal about this movie. (laughs) It's fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's fucking good. (laughs) You are fucking going bait and switch on me, man. (laughs) That's a damn good movie. You are going rope-a-dope, Muhammad Ali style. You are just trying to lull me into anger. (laughs) And then you made me happy. So you liked it. I loved it. Yeah, Fuck that was yeah. a damn good movie. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. I just think it's fucking great. Like and you know, 
this movie had a budget of $30 million. It really only made, it made $38.4 million in the USA, but 81.6 worldwide, like cumulatively. So it made a profit. They've even, as recently Chu as 2010, had been talking about making a sequel. Wow. Yeah. But I do like the idea of making a really great movie and calling it a day. Oh, yeah. This this doesn't need to be... Rehashed. No. It's perfectly great the way it is. Put it to bed. Yeah. I think the two best examples of that are this movie and My Cousin Vinny. Because they were serious about making a My Cousin Vinny sequel for years. Just make a fucking great movie and say goodbye right off into the sunset. Yeah. You don't need to constantly live in the past. It's fine. Just move on. It's a difficult thing for Hollywood to do, though. Once something is proven to be successful, ooh, they're going to drum it. Yeah, let's run that shit into the ground. (laughs) Until it's a piece of shit. (laughs) You know what we ought to do? Keep bringing these characters back until everybody hates them. (laughs) This is true. That's a great great idea, Jenkins. (laughs) The guy in my mind who's always coming up with the worst best idea is Jenkins. I think that I I like it. (laughs) No offense to anybody listening whose last name is Jenkins. It's not a personal attack. It's just there's a Jenkins out there going, motherfucker, what an asshole. (laughs) What a dick. Including actor Richard Jenkins. I don't know who that is. Shocker. Oh, you do know who it is. You look him up. You'll know. Okay. Listen, this movie was not supposed to be as good as it is. Like, this movie was first at Paramount, and Paramount wanted... They had Robert De Niro, and they were like, we should have some sexual tension. Let's have it be Cher. Director Martin Bress was like, no, I don't like that idea. Now, in the meantime, Robin Williams expressed great interest in doing this movie... But by then, Martin Brest had already auditioned Charles Grodin and loved his audition so much, he thought these two completely vastly different people and vastly different actors were going to somehow work together well, Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. And he had it right, but he had it so right that Paramount just, they wanted Robin Williams and they quit. They're like, then we're not making this movie. So then Universal took over. And approved the budget of $30 million and approved Charles Grodin. And this movie got made. Yeah, I I can't picture... I can't picture anybody else doing those... Playing those roles. They were perfect together. Right? Perfect. Yeah. Now, do you know... Had you... Do you know Charles Grodin? Seen him before? Um, From Beethoven, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. I mean, only the only thing that comes to my memory right now. But yeah, I watched Beethoven a lot. And I don't even know (laughs) why, because it gives me anxiety. I don't know. (laughs) What's the anxiety over? I have anxiety about animal movies because they always make it. They always throw this level of like the dog's in trouble or the, the animal's in trouble or somebody's trying to steal it or someone's trying to kill it or 
do something fucking weird with it. And I right. don't like that. Freaks Agreed. me out. Yeah. But they're great together, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's where this movie starts and ends. Yeah. I, my, I mean, my favorite parts were, I mean, nobody besides Robert De Niro can swear, insult, and threaten somebody like he does. Like, he's just perfect every time. Just this stuff he comes effect. up with. Yeah. I just, I loved it. Can you so believe good. how fucking funny he is in this movie? I, I laughed out loud several times. Right. <laughs> several times. And I knew you'd said that, you know, there was some comedy in there, but I, I wasn't anticipating actually enjoying it as much as I did. Well, and that's the thing to me about this movie is how well drama action and comedy are woven together in this movie and it was done so well like nothing overshadowed something else it was just it just perfectly blended all through the the whole movie yeah famously charles groden said that that he felt this was one of the best scripts he ever read and that's how i feel about the movie like i don't think there's a scene out of place i don't think there's a wasted minute of film every scene is great and matters. And that's the thing that I really noticed on a rewatch was every fucking scene is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the dialogue is so good. Oh, it's amazing. I'm just so so happy. I'm so blown away (laughs) that I liked this movie so much and that I'd never really heard it before. I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about it, but I, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know who was in Midnight Run. And I think you're the only one that's ever mentioned it, ever. Really? Nobody talks about this movie, which is a shame. Cause, right. Because it's fucking good. That's why it's a teachable moment. People need to know about this fucking movie. Yeah. It's so good. And I really like that there's no love interest. Like, they talk about his relationship with his ex-wife. Like, he is constantly holding on to that. But no love interest. We didn't need that. This movie did not need Cher. No. No offense to Cher. <laughs> no, Cher is fucking amazing. Yeah, this wasn't the movie But for she you. just does not belong in Midnight Run. No. <laughs> no, I mean, if there was any relationship that you rooted for, it was their friendship. You know, hopefully yeah. it was, you know, that it was going to grow to the end of the movie. That's the love story. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, it, when you come right down to it. So let me ask you this. Because like you, there might be plenty of people that have not seen this movie. So let's play our game, Chew. <laughs> the plot plot game. Chew describes the plot. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in this movie? What's it about? Not what... I, oh, I almost fucked your shit up for you there. Not what Quickly. happens in the movie. Just what's it about? Well, he's a bounty hunter, right? Before I, Correct. I start. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Ex-cop turns bounty hunter. Has to go collect, I don't even know what you would call, uh, he's called the Duke, but I have no idea why he's called the Duke. Guy steals a bunch of money from a mob boss, gets into Super Trubs. They have this cross. <laughs> <laughs> Super Trubs. Super Trubs. <laughs> uh, they got to do a cross country uh, trip to get him back to LA within five days. And uh, 
<laughs> Which apparently is a midnight run. Yeah, but it takes like five fucking days. Right. Yeah, he thought it was going to be an actual midnight run, like get you there in 12 hours, and that's not what happened. Yeah. And, um, no. yeah. Um, ugh, hilarity. And hilarity ensues. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we got bounty hunters, we got mob, we got the FBI, yep. we've got a Robin Hood figure. Yep. And shenanigans ensue, mostly because... <laughs> He doesn't like to fly. Supposedly. <laughs> so we're told. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh man. Wait. One of the things I wrote down I love at the beginning. So you have this, like, this movie opens with him getting a bounty, right? He's he's finding a criminal. Yeah. Somebody who skipped bail. He gets shot at. Shotgun through the door, shotgun, shotgun left and right, man. Shotgun up the fire escape, shotgun shooting the trash. He's been shot at like four times. And then another bounty hunter tries to uh, get this guy who's played by John Ashton, by the way, who is, you know, also in Beverly Hills Cop. He's Taggart in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh. Right? You probably didn't even recognize him because yeah. he plays such a great dirtbag in this movie yeah, as opposed to like, you know, the uptight taggart yeah oh he's fucking so good but i love it when so he knocks taggart out and he takes this guy to the police precinct and the cop asks him did he give you any trouble and he looks over did you give me any trouble <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> that's so great <laughs> and that's when this movie lets you know that robert de niro is going to be hilarious in this movie but He's never playing it for laughs. No, it's very dry. Right. And the thing that's amazing is like his character is also not funny. The character's not a funny person. He's just being funny through all of his own insecurities and foibles as a human being. I can't. I, I wonder if somebody counted how many times Walsh told the Duke to shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> the best line, of course, being when he's like arguing about, you know, Jack, you, you have power over your, 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 you know, your own thoughts and what you say, you know, and Jack Walsh says, that's right. So here come two words for you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. The whole dialogue of if you if anyone's going to watch this movie for anything, it's for the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. The conversations with the characters are just fucking phenomenal. I mean, I must have had at least three notes that said this script is amazing. (laughs) God, it's so damn good. I was so pleasantly surprised. (laughs) And I wasn't really sure. I was a little apprehensive when it started because that movie just starts. Yeah. It just fucking starts. There's no like intro credits, no nothing. It's like boom, universal, and then Robert De Niro is getting Walking shot. Up the steps. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And at first I was like, Did I fuck this up? Did I like skip? I had to go back. So at first I'm like, <laughs> this is kind of a weird start. It's a little different. And then I it it was great. Yeah. And, and then I'm all in for it. There's an economy of storytelling in this movie that's fucking great. 
Because after he drops that guy off, I mean, he goes to his bail bondsman, who's Joe Joey Pants, man. Oh, God, he was so good. How great is he in this fucking movie? I it's, fucking love him so much. He's so good. At some point <laughs> later on in the movie, uh, Robert De Niro's talking to him on the phone, and he'd just gotten off the phone with Dorf? Dorf. Yeah. Whatever it is. Dorfer. Dorfer. And um, he's like... He's telling me to f- go fuck or myself. Dorfler. Yeah, Dorfler. He's like, he's telling me to go fuck myself. You're telling me to go fuck myself. Everyone's telling me to go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it is because he's a piece of shit. He's the worst. He's getting in his own way. Otherwise, the Duke would have been, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, about this movie is that if they didn't have five days together, De Niro never would have let him go. Right. You know? Yeah. They really grow a male friendship over the five days. Yeah. And these are two people that should not like each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. They have, like, nothing in common except for right. the fact that they try and do the right thing. I was just going to say, yeah. that's the one thing they have in common is this, this overriding sense of justice and what's wrong and what's right yeah and you can even see it early on when de niro's character walsh is is making choices not to tell the whole truth yeah about his past because his past is connected to serrano yeah Yeah. and connect connected to the duke's present yeah (laughs) right and by the way I mean, how fucking great is Dennis Farina in this movie as the mob boss? Oh, my God. As Serrano. So damn Did you know that he was actually a Chicago cop? No way. Yeah. Wow. He was a a cop in Chicago before he became an actor. That's amazing. (laughs) That's actually kind of cool. Right. But he's so... I mean... This is a very quotable movie, and he's got most of the best lines. Oh, yeah. At some point, he's on like, the phone. He's like, oh, shit, I don't remember what it was. Oh, like something like, uh, is this more on number one? Put more on number two on the phone. <laughs> like, he's such a dick. <laughs> <It's> the best. <laughs> Sydney, have a cream soda. Have some fucking thing. Don't say a fucking word, Sydney, or I'm going to get up. I'm going to bury this telephone right in your head. <laughs> the moron number one. Uh, so good. I fucking love that line. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I fucking love it. Yeah, this really is a wonderfully quotable movie. Oh, there's so many good lines. Yeah. And mostly like insults and threats. Yeah. <laughs> which I can get behind. <laughs> right. It's up our alley. <laughs> it really is. Like, I need to watch this again just so I can start to remember certain things. You gotta have to write some of that shit down. <laughs> yeah. Make it a shirt. I don't know. We have to write it down and then call Pete. <laughs> Family friend, everybody. <laughs> Shout out to Pete. What a piece of shit. <laughs> That's our favorite piece of shit. He really is so great. He told me the other day, he said, are you going to have any episodes? Maybe I should be on. Like, I won't know anything, but you guys could just like, you know, shout at me. (laughs) I said, that might work. 
yeah. We'll do like a quick little segment. Be like, yeah. Quick guest, special guest. <laughs> All right. Pete. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just getting started. Ladies and gentlemen and Pete, of course. <laughs> We are just getting started. <laughs> we are talking about Midnight Run. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and get into the heart of this movie. Sound good, Chu? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we are back. Chu and I are here talking about the 1988 fucking great movie, Midnight Run. It's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you want listeners to know about this movie? What strikes you the most? I, I was consistently surprised about where it was going the whole movie. And, like, I knew they... Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they were they weren't going to be able to get on the plane in the beginning. And then they were going to do this whole fucked up cross country trip. How great is that scene though? <laughs> Starts freaking out. <laughs> and, uh, Oh God. And it, it, did, it made that beginning scene with the air, with the plane, him not being able to fly. He's claustrophobic, blah, blah, blah. And then when he ends up actually getting in the little propeller plane. Yeah. <laughs> Cess- on or, the yeah, Indian reservation, plane. and he's like, "What the fuck?" And the look on his face—you <laughs> can't fucking fly. <laughs> You're a pilot, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and right before they get there, he's yay, hey everyone. He's like a bunch of Native Americans in the back of the truck when they were hitchhiking. Yay, hey everyone. <laughs> yay, hey. He goes, "What's that?" It's like uh, it means hello. I could say hello in a lot of different languages. Not yours, but in a lot of different languages. <laughs> His dry sense of humor on how he he deals with Walsh is so good. <laughs> Matched with De Niro's yeah. Walsh, it's like pure fucking magic. But, I mean, to your point about... You know, the scenes, like even the beginning, I love at the beginning when you meet the FBI, when you meet Alonzo yeah. Mosley, Yafet Kodo, and the whole bit with the sunglasses, <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's the $10 fine for jaywalking on the street. Shut up. <laughs> like he's being hilarious, Robert De Niro. And Yafet Kodo is seriously intimidating. Oh, my God. oh yeah. As Alonzo Mosley, right? 
But when he steals his badge <laughs> and he throws the sunglasses, he's, can I have my sunglasses back? And he throws them out and he goes, thanks. And thanks for this, too. And he starts walking down the street and then flashes the badge behind I him. I died laughing in that moment. <laughs> Fucking kills me it every was time. So, it was so unlike Robert De, Robert De Niro from anything mm-hmm. that you've seen him before. And then he had, like, this quirky little goofy moment. And I'm like... Was that a blooper? Was he just fucking around? And they're like, no, that was good. Let's keep it. It was just so fucking good. Oh, it's fucking great. And the thing is, is I think there's a whole subset of movie fans who would think of Robert De Niro being funny only because of the Fockers or Meet the Parents or Analyze This or That kind of stuff. And the performance he has in this movie is like outweighs those comedic performances 100% by a metric ton. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would, I remember cause I didn't know, you know, I saw this movie in the theater too in 1988. And even back then I remember thinking this fucking movie should get best actor, (laughs) best supporting actor, best director, best writing. It should at least be nominated for all of those things. And of course, was not. Yeah. You know, but. No, I mean, if. But it sure should have been. There's somebody out there who th- loves Robert De Niro from a comedic standpoint, but hasn't seen this movie. Just forget everything you fucking know, and watch this mm-hmm. movie, and you're gonna change your mind. <laughs> like this is the funniest he's ever been. Ever, ever yeah. in a movie. He's never been funnier than he is in this movie. And it was so effortless. And it's so yeah. grounded. Yeah. Damn it. I want to watch it again. Well, how... <laughs> Let's just stop the podcast and watch it again. Ugh. Well, and so part of the, the chemistry of this movie is the chemistry, chemistry between the two main actors. And I mean, from the second they're together to the moment when they leave each other. There is not a moment where you're not sort of on the edge of your seat thinking about what are these two going to say to each other? (laughs) What's the other one's reaction going to be? And I mean, it starts from the moment... I Like, first of all, I just think it's hysterical that everybody in the world, the mob, the FBI, the bail bondsmen, everybody's been looking for the Duke for... It seems like at least, you know, a year or two, right? I mean, the guy's been on the lam for a while. And Robert De Niro finds him in, you know, under six hours. So easy. Which is fantastic, yeah. But again, you know, it it also kind of hints towards his character because, you know, he was a cop. He knows a guy. He goes to see the cop in L.A., Stanley, come here. So he can find information that other people can't the whole ruse about posing as the FBI and then breaking into his home and yeah. <laughs> the dog appears and he has to get in the shower. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to shoot you through the glass. Don't move. And he's, he's so, he's serious about, he's so serious in the shower about one mm-hmm. trying to do the fucking job and he's pissed about the dog and he's pissed that he's in the fucking shower <laughs> and like he's trying to control the situation, but you're the one in locked who locked themselves in the shower kind of thing. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. 
and even from the so that from that first moment, you know, he he gets it like he gets the Duke's wife to take the dog out. He gets out of the shower, puts him against the wall. And there's this moment where he says, uh, put your hand behind your head. And he doesn't do it for a moment. <laughs> and he says, put your hand. And he starts doing it. Then he goes, there you go. Yeah. At just that one moment, I'm like, we're in good hands. These two are going to be fucking amazing together. I thought the same thing because, like, I was thinking, I was anticipating that in my head. Like, that's what I would have said if I was telling somebody to put their left hand behind their head. And then they, like, they're like, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Fuck stick. Put the fucking hand behind your head. (laughs) And then on the way to the airport, one of my favorite moments is, they're talking on the way to the airport, and at some point, you know, Charles Grodin says something, and Robert De Niro, Jack Walsh says, you could start by shutting the fuck up. I've known you for all of two minutes, and I hate you already. <laughs> and then he takes this moment, this beat, Charles Grodin, he kind of rolls his eyes. He goes, gee, that's too bad, because I really like you. <laughs> Oh, my God. God, just the best sarcasm ever. Oh, yeah. He's the sarcasm master in this yeah. fucking movie. He's so great. So then you have the scene on the airplane. And I also, like, that one moment where he's all jiggly yeah. with his arms, where he kind of, like, you know. I mean, he just sells it so well because... Like you said, like, as an audience member, you bought that he was actually... Afraid oh, yeah. To I fly, didn't think for right? a second that it, it was a ruse. Right. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And then so the I love it because right after that, they're walking towards the train and he's just smiling. And Robert, what the fuck are you <laughs> smiling at? I love to travel by train. <laughs> and then they get on the train and Walsh locks his ass in the bathroom and shuts the door. Yeah. And done. <laughs> this is my room and that's your room. <laughs> Good night. But he's like, the, the magic about Grodin in this movie is that he can sort of whine and complain. And like you said, with the dry sense of humor, but it's, it also, he kind of sounds like a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause he gets in the bathroom and you just hear Jack, Jack, Jack. come on, Jack. <laughs> It's this. It's too tight in here. I told you I was claustrophobic. I can't breathe. <laughs> and I love it. So the the moment right after that actually is when, you know, Grodin asks him, "What are you doing? What am I doing? Arithmetic. Arithmetic. Well, maybe I can help. I am an accountant." <laughs> and he explains that he wants to open up a restaurant. It's like, well. It's a very tricky business. And if I were your accountant, I have to advise against it. You're not my accountant. I know. I realize that. But I'm saying if I were your accountant. <laughs> and at the end, quietly finishes. Oh I God. mean, if, if I were your accountant. He had to, like, sneak that last bit. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't even say it, too. It's like he's looking out the window. It's like a, just saying if I were your accountant. <laughs> and they start arguing about the tip at dinner. <laughs> like... This guy who stole millions of dollars from the mob. And he's like, that's all you're going to leave? What? That's 15%. That's 13%. These people depend on tips for a living. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I appreciated that moment, actually, as a 
uh, well, as servers. Well, as servers, you know. Yeah. Fucking throw down a little more, please. Thank you. A couple of people that have spent time in the service industry and know that being a server is like having stage four terminal yeah. cancer. Except you don't have the sweet, sweet relief of oh, finally dying. You just relive dying. the same day over and over again. Some people might think that's a shitty thing to say. They'd be like, hey, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't equate service at a restaurant with cancer. But if there was a server who had cancer, I imagine they would say, they'd stick up for us. They'd be like, nope, yeah. they're totally equivalent. They're the same yep. thing. Because if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know that you've had several moments where you're like, this is my lowest point I've ever had in my life. Okay. I would rather die than finish this shift. <laughs> like on the board, you just write 86 hope, <laughs> which is a real thing. That's happened at restaurants I've worked at. Uh, death by quintuplet set. <laughs> Fucking kill me. Yeah. Nowadays, it's octuplet seating. <laughs> Go yeah. fuck yourself. Have a nice day. <laughs> Why haven't you gotten to that table yet? Why don't they have drinks? Because they're my eighth table that you sat in the last four minutes. Fuckhead. <laughs> and they're only going to tip me 13%. Yeah, exactly. So I really needed that scene. That was nice. All right. That was a nice tangent. Woo. Back to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Went off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, that's a sore subject with us. We should have called the therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take time out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, and that's the thing, too, about this, you know, essentially what this movie is, is... It's a product of the time, but it does it better than anything else. And essentially what it is, is the buddy cop movie. Yeah. Except neither one of them are cops and they're not buddies. But in all these buddy <laughs> cop movies, they always start off hating each other. Yeah. You know, lethal weapon. There's Not always. Yeah, there's some conflict. Right. Um, but, you know, take Running Scared, take Stakeout. These 1980s movies are all buddy cop movies, and this one turns it on its head. And, I mean, 1982's 48 Hours was sort of the gold standard for a while, but I think this movie does it better than any of them. Absolutely. The more we've yeah. talked about this movie, I'm thinking that this might be my favorite comedy ever. <laughs> yes! Like, yeah. It's that funny, right? It's that good. I mean, it's... Like sneaky the funny. Yeah. There's no slapstick exactly. stuff. Like I that's none of that. No. And that's great. And the thing is, is it's all like we mentioned before, it's also grounded. It's character based. Yeah. Their character arcs are so well written. And actually one of my favorite scenes that they had together was when they were he had just gotten they got out of the plane, that whole fiasco, stole the truck. Mm -hmm at gunpoint and threw his broken watch or somebody's watch at those poor Native Americans who don't have shit. And he gave him Groden's watch. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's something. I'm sure it's yeah. worth a lot of money. And he's like, you lied to me first about the plane. He's like, no, no, no. 
As far as you, you lied to me first at the river. <laughs> Jack's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, no, as far as you knew, you were lying first because you didn't know that I was lying about the plane just a few minutes ago. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, what a great. I've... Damn it. I'm going to go watch the movie again today. Fucking that's what I'm looking hey. for. Yeah. All right. So how do you feel about uh, Taggart as, as a foil chasing them all over the country? Uh, which one's Taggart? Oh, well, not Taggart. I mean, you know, oh, in, his, Dol- in this movie, he's Dorfler. Dorfler. Yeah. God, I can't. I can't. The actor's name is John Ashton. Got it. <clears throat> um, Marvin. Yeah, Marvin. Because usually, like, yeah, the, yeah. I like the Marvin. <laughs> um, I liked Marvin a lot. I don't know how he got so quick behind their tail. Like, at a moment's notice. Like, he, he really was probably decent at his job, but he just wasn't. Wasn't good enough. And he turned out to be a bad fucking guy. He was working for uh, Serrano the whole time. I Well, not the whole time, but he, he yeah, was definitely going to sell out yeah. the Duke. Yeah. Jonathan Mardukas, by the way. You asked, I don't know why he's called the, the Duke, but his last name's Mardukas. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So, you know, you not go. a huge leap. Right. The Duke. Yeah. Um, I thought he was really good. But I just love that it's like, even... Like, take any character in this movie, and they're fantastic. Even the guy, when they first put Marvin, he's in Pittsburgh, and they were in New York. They try to get on a plane in New York, so they get on a train. Yeah. So the train's coming to him, probably, you know, close to Pittsburgh, or he can get there quickly. But he's got, he's got a guy that he's captured. (laughs) Yeah. And his name's Carmine. Like, this guy's on screen for all of two minutes, and he's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, he says, hey, dirtbag. Car- my name's Carmine, fucko. Yeah. Well, Carmine, today's your lucky day. Why is today my lucky day? Shut up. <laughs> like, he said fucko, and I was like, ah, oh, that's good. That's oh, Dustin so off fantastic. and oldie. I gotta, I gotta bring that back. I mean, you've got the pilot. Uh, on the airplane, you've got the steward on the train yeah. with with Yafet Kodo, where he's, you know, it's Alonzo Mosley, FBI. Mosley? Are all, are all you guys named Mosley? <laughs> oh, and the banter between yeah. the two kind of bumbling FBI, not bumbling, but like the subordinate FBI agents at Yafet yeah. Kodo. It's like, sir, that must mean that Walsh has your identification. He's just like, looks no at him like, shit. you fuck, shut the fuck up <laughs> and at one point they even just hand him a note and he just looks at them and says is this gonna upset me <laughs> uh yeah probably <sighs> so every single character in this fucking movie um did you know you might not know this but there's two scenes so one is the boxcar scene where they're just together and the other one is the litmus configuration. Oh my god, it was so fucking good. Yeah. They're great, right? But both those scenes were mostly improvised. Really? Yeah. I loved it. Amazing. And the one guy, there's the guy in the bar in the litmus configuration scene where 
Charles Grodin is acting as an FBI agent and he's like got his coat buttoned up. I mean, he's just the perfect amount of steely FBI agent. And he looks over at this guy and this guy is just a guy in the town. He's not an actor. And they had him just start responding to Charles Grodin. And it got so good that they kept adding lines for this guy. (laughs) It's like, you live around here? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or first he asks him, have you seen anybody suspicious around here? Yeah. No. Do you live around here? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so great. Oh, and they're trying to describe this fake guy. And yeah. <laughs> Dark hair. Oh, light, light hair. Yep. That sounds like him. Sounds like our man. <laughs> Could you describe the man to me? He was tall, six feet tall. Six, five, light colored hair or dark colored hair. No, light features. Sounds like our man. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking great. All right. Chew, we're going to take one more break. And then when we come back, we will finish up talking about Midnight Run. Deal? Woo. All right. We'll be back, everybody, right after this. Where do you get your coffee? Do you frequent a place that burns their beans and loads their coffee with sugar to hide it? It's time to switch your coffee habits, people. Check out The Brew Bar. It's a coffee shop, bar, and eatery wrapped up in a singularly magical experience. Tim and Alex run the place and will set you straight. These guys know their coffees. And when they're done, so will you. But it doesn't end there. Not in the mood for a straight-ahead coffee? They have you covered. They've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. That's right, coffee tales. But it doesn't end there. Bottle service on craft beers and wines, alcoholic and caffeinated brews and potions, and an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. The Brew Bar is located in downtown Chula Vista and is the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee, and tea. That's The Brew Bar. Check it out. And we're back. Chu and I are here, of course, talking about the teachable moment movie, Midnight Run, 1988 movie directed by Martin Brest. All right, Chu, I got something I want to talk about. To me, I mean, you know, this movie is fucking great even without this scene. But the one scene in this movie that really turns the movie on its head in a way where characters grow and I mean, you can even tear up and well up watching it is when he has to go see his family in Chicago when they get stuck there. Oh yeah. That was actually when he sees his ex-wife and his daughter. Yeah. It was. How great is that scene? It was perfectly done. I have a big problem with awkward moments in movies and this was almost to that point, but done so well that it wasn't cringy at all. Cause you know, he's standing in front of his daughter and he doesn't know how to act because he hasn't seen her in forever. Right. You can see how, uncomf- how uncomfortable he yeah. is as the character. There's there's a lot of guilt there. He feels bad. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know much about her. So there's not like they, they can't talk about anything. And um, there's no you were anticipating maybe her hating him or resenting right. him. 
And, and it's the opposite. It's the opposite. She comes running out and offers him her money. Almost $200 yeah. worth of babysitting money. And, and it just breaks your heart. Yeah. And he says... And it's like he does the right thing and says, I can't take that. Right. But you still feel bad. Yeah. Like, you you know, for her sake, you see how important it is to her yeah. for him to have it. I mean... But I, I feel like in the end, it was still... It was still great for that character to not take that money. Of course. And... Like, it just, I just love that moment. She just offers, she doesn't know him. Like, they don't, she doesn't know him. Mm -hmm. She loves him. She cares about him. She knows that he's not a piece of shit. He just, he left for, for certain reasons. And. Well, and the other thing is, right, because you're right about the history. Yeah. Because part of the reason he had to leave was because he was forced to leave. Yeah. Because of his job. Because if he didn't, he was going to go to jail based on something he didn't even do. Right. So they planted evidence in his house, cocaine. Mm -hmm. But the other part of it is, like you have, it's not really ever spoken to, but you have a sense that everything that Jack Walsh is doing is to get free and clear so that he could establish a relationship with his daughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what he wants in his life. Yeah, that's the end game for him. Yeah. And... He even says, you know, he has a line, you know, I'm just so embarrassed. I'm just really in a jam and I need some help. And the whole movie, even like his relationship with Grodin, because there's there's still comedy. Like right before they they ring the doorbell, they're walking up and he's handcuffed Charles Grodin. And, you know, he's just sort of dry sense of humor, wryly looking at him. I think this is going to be good for you. (laughs) I mean, it's just fucking amazing. And then you have this terribly emotional scene that is just played beautifully by everybody who's in it. But when they when he does get some money from his ex-wife and he borrows the car, he's taking Charles Grodin back out to the car and he puts him in the car. And there's this little moment where his jacket's going to get caught in the door. And he fixes it. Yeah, he like helps him and lifts it up and closes the door. And it's like all of a sudden... Not that they're not going to still fight, but it's like they're growing together, yeah. too. It's so good. Uh, Yeah, that was such a good scene. Oh, and then uh, the son answers the door, which is not Jack Walsh's son. Right. And he says Who something. Are you? Your mother's ex-husband. Super yeah. just deadpan. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking this little shit. But I also like that that kid says... You don't look much like a criminal. And Charles Grodin says, I'm a white collar criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But when they and this, they get the car. And one of my favorite moments, too, is shortly after that, they're calling Joey Pants. Yeah. Uh, uh, What's his character's name? Eddie. Eddie Moscone. So they're calling Eddie at the bail bonds place. But now he knows that there is a... a tap on the phone. Oh my God. That's so fucking good. I'm in Boise. No, I'm, he like yeah. goes off and off. <laughs> the FBI guys are like, dude, what the fuck? I, I'm in the, I'm in the lobby of a Howard Johnson's and I'm wearing a pink carnation. <laughs> but my favorite part of that whole phone call is when he says, Eddie, Eddie, I swear to God, don't start any shit or I'm going to hit him in the head and drop him in the fucking swamp. <laughs> And then he looks over at Charles Grodin and just He's shakes like, his head oh, like, no, 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 no
Because he looks over like, what the fuck? He's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it, it was so funny. Which is all followed by... I mean, they're down and out. They're, they're, they don't have like a, almost a penny to their name. I love they go into that coffee shop. And they have a handful of coins. They got. They just have coins. And he's like, we're starving and you're buying cigarettes? I need these cigarettes. You'll have whatever you have and I'll have these. And she comes over and says, can I get you something? He said, I'll have a cup of coffee. <laughs> and the, whole, the chorizo and eggs. Yeah. What's that? Chorizo and eggs? Chorizo and eggs. What, what is that? It's Mexican sausage mixed in with eggs. Eggs, potatoes, and yeah. onion. And how much is that? <laughs> how much is coffee? 53, 53 cents. cents. How much is tea? How much is tea? 53 cents. I'll have tea. <laughs> Every line was delivered <laughs> He's so perfectly. Good. Oh. Um, well, I, that, well, like one of my favorite lines is short. So, so shortly after that, they're leaving. They're going to go get their $500 at the Western Union. But the mob shows up. And Marvin shows up. So everybody shows up in this one moment. Yeah. And then a big car chase scene happens. You know, the mobs in the in the, uh, tells the helicopter to go after him. They've got like an M60 they're shooting at. So, all you know, everything's gone haywire. And at one point, they can't see the chopper. And De Niro says something like, I don't know, maybe we lost them. And Grove says, oh, I'm sure we're perfectly safe. Yeah. And then this whole thing leads to the moment you were alluding to earlier. So Jack actually shoots the the back propeller of the helicopter. Yeah. Crashes it into the side of a mountain, which is a great shot, by the way. It's like you have this shot where... It really was a great shot. Yeah, like Jack Walsh is looking at it and you're seeing the explosion in front of De Niro. And you're like, this is fucking great. The Duke has fallen into the river. He knocks out Marvin. He handcuffs Marvin. You know, so much yeah. of this movie is him crying wolf to Marvin, which comes back at the end. But then he jumps in the river after the Duke and he gets stuck on a rock. And that's when the Duke saves his life. He's, OK, I'll let you go if you save me. And that's the lying moment. Yeah. As far as you knew, you were lying first. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, is there anything in the movie like. Because this is a teachable moment, so I don't like I you know I don't really have grievances against this movie. Do you have any grievances? The only thing that comes close is when they're on the train to Arizona and they jump off and then they steal that truck and that chase scene. Oh, the yeah. chase scene itself is really great and fine, but they crash the truck, so yeah. there's cops everywhere, but it it's a little easy for them to escape. Right. That's the closest I come to a grievance in this entire movie. I am. Um, but they do get caught. I mean, like yeah, one gets do. caught by Marvin. Yeah. So he and he, you know, the Duke and Jack Walsh are now separated. Marvin steals him. He's going to sell him to the mob. Yeah. And he gets arrested. I would say there's no, no grievances in this movie. I, it's like, too fucking good. Chew. In fact, I, you know, when we watched Jaws, I started to make notes, but then only made three. And then I was like, you know what? I don't need to make notes on this movie. I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not necessary. So I just sat and enjoyed the movie. And that's how I went in with this. I I got out the piece of paper just in case. And I was like, right. no, I'm not writing shit down. Because I think nice. I'm going to like it. 
And uh, I don't have I don't have a single bad thing to say about this movie. I just think it's fucking. There are not a lot of movies that are perfect movies, but this one's damn close. You know what I mean? I would only say, and this isn't really a grievance. It's just like, ah, come on. Um, in that the chase scene in the desert and all the cop cars, they've never driven. They're horrible drivers. Right. <laughs> they were like, you know what? Let's crash as um, many cop cars as we can. Let's just like try and flip them over. Right. Like it was just like the desert was just riddled with haphazard, you know, half broken down. The dead, police the dead cars. car soldiers of, <laughs> of <laughs> yeah of that chase. local law enforcement. Um, but that wasn't even a grievance. It was just like wow, right? But even you know, part of that is the idea of you know local cops and whatever yeah. bumfuck Arizona somewhere they've never done this Might, before yeah exactly yeah. right so you, you, how often do you do a high-speed chase in the middle of a desert not on a road yeah so there's that but but and then so this whole movie turns and become I mean you know you have first of all you have Marvin selling the Duke out yeah and then he's too stupid to do it right so now the mobs got the Duke Marvin has no money Serrano, I mean, has this terrifying scene with Duke in the in the uh, limo where he's telling him, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to go home and have a nice meal and I'm going to find your wife and I'm going to kill her, too. I believed him. And you believe every fucking word. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's not going to lose an ounce of sleep over this. Holy fuck. But the best thing, like, look, Jack Walsh has gotten into some shit. He has stolen an FBI badge. He's been posing as a uh, FBI agent. He's stolen a couple of cars. He, you know, I mean, he's broken laws. But he he makes a deal with Alonzo. Like, will you let me take the Duke back if I can give you Serrano? And it all takes place in the Las Vegas airport. And that whole scene is fucking amazing to me i love it so 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 much it was done perfectly and at first i was like oh my god like serrano's gonna get away because like the fucking marvin trying to fuck everything up and i was like oh my god how how is he gonna tell i was like just yell. mike's gone dead i was like (laughs) de niro just yell for help and then like finally he does and he does exactly what you wanted yeah but and you know the funny thing too is I mean, just like how every character stays true to themselves in this movie. And yeah. that scene's a perfect example because Yafet Kodo as Alonzo Mosley is like, just give him the discs. Just give him the discs and it's all over. Yeah. But De Niro knows he can't do that because then Jimmy Serrano won't believe it. So he says, well, I see you, but I don't see the Duke. Well, we'll worry about that in a minute. No, we got to worry about it now. Let me tell you something, Jimmy. This isn't a reunion. If I don't see the Duke in about 30 seconds, I'm walking. And he's like, come on, let's just take a moment. He's like, fuck you. I'll see you at the arraignment. Starts walking away, which makes, yeah, like he's apoplectic. He's like, what are you doing? It's all so fucking great. And then Marvin, you know, what's funny, too, is Marvin, he's buying his ticket at the airport, right? And the guy who's like, smoking or not smoking? Take a wild guess. <laughs> smoking? Got it. <laughs> Did the, the guy who's selling the ticket, that's the director. That's Martin Brest. Oh, that's cool. Little cameo yeah. spot. I like little, that. Little Hitchcock moment yeah. for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was good. 
Yeah, and the look on Marvin's face when he realizes everyone's in the in the airport, he's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Can't believe his luck." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was also good. I still probably have a peachy folder somewhere from high school, somewhere in my house, that does still have written on it, "Chew." You ever had sex with an animal, Jack? Remember those chickens on the <laughs> on the reservation? Some good-looking chickens. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably take it a shot at a couple of them. <laughs> that was so, like, it was just a random moment. And I was like, oh, shit, that's fucking funny. But what's great about that moment, too, is, and I, that happens before the airport, but what's great about it is it sets up the very end of the movie because you have this really serious moment on the train where... The Duke said, you know, he asks him, did you read about me in the papers? Yeah. Were you on my side then? Yeah, I was. But you're not now. No, I'm not. Well, why not? Because you're in my way. He's like, yeah, that's because you're in. I'm in your way because you're just about the fucking money. Yeah. So at that moment, what's the difference between Walsh and Serrano? Right. So... Yeah, that was a... He's confronted with his own sense of right versus wrong. So he gets the Duke to the, you know, to L.A. in time. He has like 20, 25 minutes left. He would have gotten them in time. Yep. And it's just the best moment ever when he tells Joey Pants, he's like, now say goodbye, you lying piece of shit, because I'm letting him go. (laughs) Bam. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, Joey Pants was phenomenal in this movie. Oh, and when he said he would he would pay Jack Walsh a hundred grand and Marvin he was like, I'll pay you what I'm paying, I'll pay twenty five thousand. <laughs> what a piece yeah. of shit. I'll pay you I'll he calls Marvin, <laughs> I'll pay you what I'm paying him. Yeah, what's that? Twenty five grand. <laughs> And and later in the movie, Jack, it's when he goes, when the Duke goes off the cliff, he says, shit, there goes a hundred grand. Wait, he was going to pay you a hundred grand? Yeah. Why? What was he going to pay you? Twenty five. (laughs) Oh. But that, so all of that sets up that last scene where the Duke, I mean, he really can't believe that he's going to be let go. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, actually astonished. And so, like you said earlier, their arcs for the characters are just amazing. And Walsh is willing to give up everything that he needed to, like, have his daughter back in his life and get out of this work and have a different life. And he's willing to give it all up because of for what's right. And then, of course, gets three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The Duke just pulls out this money belt. (laughs) <laughs> that was like attached in the lining of his <laughs> yeah. coat. I told you I had money. I knew you had money, but I, I didn't know, know you had, had money. money. <laughs> <laughs> and there are thousand dollar bills. Is that even a thing? Not anymore. They've discontinued thousand dollar bills, but. Have you ever seen one? The, not live up close and in person. No. Wow. I take it you have not as well. Nope. All right. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm so glad you liked this movie. Like, so far, our teachable moments are 
Two for two. Fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be next, I wonder? You'll piss me off at some point. We'll yeah, figure well, it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else for you that you feel you must talk about for Midnight Run? I mean, we hashed this movie out. Oh, yeah. If if you've watched, or if you've watched, if you have listened to this podcast and not seen Midnight Run, maybe... Fucking go watch it. You maybe it. made a mistake. You should have gone and watched it and then listened to this because it's that <laughs> fucking good. Go watch Spoiler it. Spoiler alert. You shouldn't have come to the end of this before you watched <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it. Apologies. <laughs> you made a mistake. Yeah. Damn. Great damn movie. Would 100% recommend. Yep. Is there a drinking game for it? <laughs> yeah. Drink every time Robert De Niro says, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You're going to be shit-faced within 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have to be all those words? Shut, fuck, and up? <laughs> it needs to be like the whole thing. What if he just says shut up? Does he say just shut up? I think he throws a he fuck might. in there. I think he says that a few times. Or maybe just the word fuck. Because I would want to take a shot after fucko. That would make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I remember reading somewhere that the word fuck is said. It's said over a hundred times in the movie I, for sure. I believe that. Somewhere between 125 and 150, I think. Oh my God. At every single time. It's, it's done well. Yeah, it's fucking funny. All right. Well, great job. Right? Good movie. Here come two words for all of you. Shut the fuck up and go watch Midnight Run. <laughs> all right. Until next time, Chew. Until next That's time. That's it. Yeah. All right. For Lady Chew, I am Michael Schantz. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned next week. It's back to the terrible. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'm super excited about it. <laughs> I may, Charles Grodin might be in your future again for our next bad movie. I'll just leave it there. Right. You guys can guess as to what you think it might be. Hmm. All right. That's it for us. We're going to see you next time. Say bye, Chew. Bye, Chew. <laughs>